0: Welcome to the Cyber Guy Podcast, your source for engaging cyber education, cyber discussions, and a look at current cyber news and trends with retired
1: FBI Special Agent Darren Mott. Welcome to July. I am your host of the Cyber Guy Podcast, retired FBI Supervisory Special Agent Darren Mott. In this episode, we are going to talk to fellow retired FBI Special Agent Scott Agenbaum about Cyber Secure Mindset Month, which is July. Now, I say it is July because it's a month uh, that Scott made up. So we're going to talk to him about what that means and why it's actually important to have such a month. October is actually Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but uh, we are making July Cybersecure Mindset Month. So we'll talk to Scott about what that is, what it means, and how you can participate in Cyber Secure Mindset Month. But first, a couple things. Uh, let's talk about an educational piece for the week. If you listen to my Cyber Smart or Get Cyber Smart podcast, you will have heard this already, but if you do not, then we're going to talk about crown jewels, what they are, why you should protect them, uh, and uh, a couple quick tips on how you can quickly start at least going down that road. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. If you want more insight, it's about a nine-minute podcast. It's episode 28 of the Get Cyber Smart podcast. So feel free to check that out there. But um, so crown jewels are the thing on your network that you need to protect, that's important to you, that bad guys want to exploit, steal, compromise, what have you. Now, if you're a corporate business owner, that's going to be your intellectual property. It could be your customer list. It could be your personal data that you store. If you're a human resources type company, it's going to be, you know, individuals, PII that you have. If you're a hospital, it's going to be personal health information. A lot of things can be crown jewels, depending on who you are, what it is you do, and what it is you're trying to protect. So identify what those are. That's really the first step to any good cyber secure hygiene po- program is identifying what it is you need to protect. If you're a homeowner, if you're just sitting at home, you know what are the crown jewels on your home network? It could be your Passwords and emails, your emails and passwords for your financial accounts, for your social media accounts, for your email accounts could be your children. So wanting to protect your kids online, and making sure that you know, bad people who are looking to do harm to kids don't target them through online means. So identify what those are. What are your crown jewels? What are you trying to protect? And then how do you protect them? Well, if it's data you're trying to protect, then you want to encrypt it when it's sitting at rest. So wherever it resides on your network, encrypt that thing. Encrypt the drive it's on, encrypt the computer it's on, encrypt the data at a minimum, because if it is ultimately stolen through a data breach or a compromise, then bad guys can't do anything with it because the data is encrypted. Now, obviously, if you're using it, you have to decrypt it to be using and stuff like that, but uh, you should encrypt the data Ideally, you should store it on a network separate from your main corporate network. Now, this can be expensive and timely and hard to manage, so it's probably hard for a lot of a lot of small and medium sized businesses to do that. Certainly, something though you should think of. If that even means you know offloading it to a cloud service. Now, keep in mind you are offsetting some of the risk to a third party who, if they have poor cyber hygiene they're not going to help you much because you're going to lose it that way too but but you know you you have to take take a risk assessment of your data what is it you're trying to protect how do you protect it where do you protect it from are you protecting it from because bad guys are looking to exploit that if they're nation state actors they want intellectual property if they're criminal actors they want information they can monetize uh if they're pedophiles are looking for kids to exploit so a lot of different things can be a lot of different definitions to a lot of different people so you know, do some research on how you can protect it, what it is, look for other sources, go listen to the other podcasts if you want some more in-depth detail on that. Um, But identify your crown jewels, figure out what's important because bad guys are looking to get to it. And so with that, let's talk about some instances of bad guys trying to get to data or having success at data. The first thing we're going to talk about is a leak that actually occurred in China. Now, it's hard to feel bad when something happens in China. But honestly, this is records of Chinese citizens. So it's unfortunate for them. It's not no fault of their own. And so they're victims, just like if it would happen to US citizens. But this is an article from Threat Post. Um, the, uh, writer is Elizabeth Montabano, uh, and it's human error, blame for leak of 1 billion records of Chinese citizens. So if you're a dark web, bad guy, this is great for you. You've just got a whole bunch of information you can use, but how did it happen? Well, a developer appears to have divulged credentials to a police database on a popular developer forum leading to a breach and subsequent bid to sell 23 terabytes of personal data on the dark web. That is a lot of storage. I'd be curious to see how long it took to download that if he was downloading it, Online, how did the company not see that activity or identify it? It's craziness, but anyway, a prominent ch- Chinese tech CEO has cited human error as the likely reason hackers got their hands on the personal data of one billion people in China from a Shanghai police database and then put some of it up for sale on illicit online networks markets. Rather, now here's an interesting: thing. Why are a billion people in a Shanghai police database? Well, because China is a police state. That's probably why that's the case. Uh, so that's a lot of information about a lot of people. And it just goes to the fact that a lot of data breaches, a lot of bad things like this occur because of human error. Now, you could argue that any data breach, regardless of how someone gets in, is some kind of data error. Someone wrote code wrong or someone, you know, didn't turn on the right security protocols. In this case, they provided credentials. And sure, that is obviously the case. Um, this one a little, but, but some, some human errors easier than others. When the, the credentials to the database are provided, that is a very, very bad human error. Now, if it's, you know, you miss one line of code in a million lines, it causes a bug that takes three years for someone to identify and they can only do so much with it. That's still human error, but it's a less problematic human error than this particular instance where the credentials to the database were given up. So see this a lot. I mean, it's every repeat. It, it it solidifies a lot of the things that I've said over the last several years doing this podcast. It it all comes down to human errors. People doing stupid things because they just don't have the right mindset to be protective. Um, and it, which is, goes along with this today's episode, the cyber secure mindset month, which we'll talk about again in a few minutes. Second article I want to talk to is, was, and I only point this one out. i put it on LinkedIn, which is why, honestly, you should follow me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash I N slash Darren Mott, uh, because I post a lot of these news articles and then give my two cents on it, which is, but this one was funny. And I, I find this humor simply because, uh, well, let's, let's just, so the, the name of this website is com. Um, and the art the, this was published two days ago. Today is uh, July 11th. So actually I take that back. This probably was a couple other days ago, because yeah four days ago, sorry, so July 7th this came out. And it's the top four ways that malware spreads. So I'm sure Katie Reese is a fine, nice person. And she probably thought she was doing a good job reporting here. Uh, and if you have not if you don't p- follow, Cybersecurity podcast or cybersecurity information, then certainly this is news to you. But th- this is the top four ways that malware spreads. Number one, malicious downloads. Number two, phishing emails. Number three, remote desktop protocol. And number four, flash drives. You know, no offense, Katie, but this is news from 15 years ago, if not almost 20. I mean, okay, let's go to flash drives. 1980, 1998, Operation Buckshot Yankee. Russian counterintelligence officers placed thumb drives in parking lots of U.S. Dayton bases overseas. People walked through the data, th- th- the parking lot picked up the thumb drive, stuck it in a computer and the DOD network was compromised. This is not, a new phenomenon. This has been going on for a long time. Remote desktop protocol, one of the oldest protocols to allow you remote access to a computer has always had flaws and has always allows people in. Again, nothing new. Uh, phishing emails. Hmm, I wonder who's talked about that before. Me and about everybody else who ever does cybersecurity podcasts and malicious downloads. Well, no kidding. So anyway, I say this because it's humorous. It makes It's what makes the media humorous to me is something like this that just goes to you know, this is not, this is nothing new. I just, I found that amusing. Um, and I think I even said so on LinkedIn, but a, a more important article here. Well, actually I take that back. This is, this, this particular article goes along with the previous one because the news is not news here. Now it's you new know, news. to So this is a Reuters article by Judy Babu and this is from July 7th as well. And it's the heads of MI5 and the FBI give joint warning of the growing threat from China. So MI5 is the UK version of the FBI. they're their domestic intelligence service. They handle stuff internally. MI6 is their external intelligence service. That's where James Bond is an MI6 agent, not MI5. But anyways, who cares? So they give it a warning. So this is um, Christopher Wray, the director of the FBI, and director, MI5 director General Ken McCallum. And here's what it says. It says, the heads of MI5 and FBI warned of a growing long-term threat posed by China to UK and US interests in their first joint appearance on Wednesday. MI5 Director General Ken McCallum said the service has already more than doubled our previously constrained effort against Chinese activity of concern, adding it was running seven times as many investigations as in 2018. Uh, and then Christopher Ray said that the Chinese government poses the biggest long-term threat. There's another point here, which was interesting, that made me laugh somewhat, if I can find that particular line. Um, I think it's because they said it was a growing threat. They, so there's a line somewhere where one of these guys mentioned that the threat from China is a growing threat. And if you mean by growing, has been growing since 2003, then sure, it's growing. This is, well, actually, the headline is, of Growing Threat. This threat is not growing. It has been growing since 2003. It is an adult now. This is an adult threat. In other words, if you were to look at the age, this is not an adolescent threat, not a newborn threat, not a, you know, toddler threat. This is an adult threat, been going on for a long time. And the fact that we have to say it is a growing threat is annoying to me in the sense that, you know, this has been going on a long time. Hopefully we're not just now waking up to the fact that China is doing this from a cyber perspective, but they've been doing it for a long time. We need to wake up Um, and figure out that this is a problem and we need to deal with it and address it by means more than just hardware and software to protect your network. So you need to develop counterintelligence protocols to try to protect yourself. There's a lot of things that can be done for companies to protect themselves from the the scourge that is Chinese cyber actors, Russian cyber actors, Iranian cyber actors, North Korean cyber actors, pick a cyber actor from bad country. And there are ways to protect yourself from it, but it, in, it involves thinking that most companies don't currently think of. Um, and I would love to get that across as somebody um, to listen to say, okay, we can come up with a counterintelligence perspective to this that can lessen our risk and make it harder for these adversaries to do the bad things. Again, this is not news people. Uh, and I understand that certainly if you don't, follow it, pay attention to it, you're not in federal law enforcement, you're not in the United States intelligence community, then sure, it is new. It is new. But I'm telling you, this is not this has been going a long time. Um, And it's I I fear that in five years, we'll see an article similar to this that, ooh, look how bad China is or how bad Russia is. So it's one of those things. It's a hobby horse for me that I kind of jump up on and argue about. But, you know, we need to wake up as a nation and realize that these problems are here. And we need to do more than just Ask kindly for them to stop. So, And now back my by popular demand. With that, let's go on to happier author, and brighter things. World-renowned speaker at conferences and overall good guy and owner of the largest FBI human botnet ever, former FBI, retired supervisory special agent, Scott Agamom. Scott, welcome back. And let's talk about Cyber Secure Mindset Month.
0: Good to be here, Darren. Thank you always. I chuckle every time you uh, make up all those good things about me. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So why, why
0: are we here for Cyber Secure Mindset Month? Why are we doing this in July? Why not? That's a great reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have typical Cybersecurity Awareness Month in October, which is, you know, typical check the box. Hey, we're going to do it this month. I'm already booked up for October. I already have about four or five conferences scheduled. I get booked up. Everybody loves to talk about cybersecurity awareness during the month. And they check the box and they forget about it. But let's hop and think about this. Learning isn't done by me talking to you. Learning is done by practice. Learning is done by repetition. So I just came up with this idea that, hey, we're halfway through the year. Let's really start talking about this. Let's have these conversations. And I'm trying to provide some content to just about every day to people just to keep themselves aware, because what do we talk about? 90% of bad things easily could have been prevented.
1: Right. And you've been talking about people having a cyber secure mindset for a while. I mean, you came up with this, even the idea of it about a year ago, and we've talked about having a podcast to kind of talk about it, but coming up with it for July, especially when it's a time of the year when there's not much going on and people are doing a lot of traveling, they're letting their defenses down. So I think it's a great time of year to bring the point that you have to have that mindset year round. And you can't just, like you said, October, everybody can check the the box, say they did cybersecurity training. But what does that really do? You have to have, you have to develop a long-term mindset that there are bad guys out there looking to do bad things to good people and as soon as you let your guard down those bad things are going to happen so so the minds having a mindset can help reduce that risk
0: well yeah and what are we talking about we're talking about information that impacts you as an individual mm-hmm. not your organization okay you your family your elderly parents your loved ones because at the end of the day that's the most important thing that we need to protect. And if we can take those skills and we can apply them to our personal life, we will be able to put them into our everyday life. So let's, you know, what, what is a cyber secure mindset? Well, let's talk about what it's not. It's not a product. It's not a service. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of looking at a problem. And what is it based on? It's based on my experiences, your experiences, our law enforcement friends. I didn't create this. I mean, I dealt with with a thousand victimizations during my career. You probably the same number, all of our friends, the same thing. But at the end of the day, what did we do? We collected a lot of data. We looked at a lot of things. And what did we find out? There were commonalities. You know, I always wait. And these are the four truths. And this is what I spoke about last week. The first one is none of my victims ever expect to be a victim. Why would anybody want to target us? And in the world of cybercrime, we have a very sympathetic victim. I was just uh, on the phone talking to a young police officer who got out of being a police officer now is going into the world of information security. And I asked him very honestly, I said, as a police officer, what percentage of your victims weren't law abiding citizens? And, you know, he hesitated and he said a lot of them were. He said occasionally we had it, but a lot of crime is bad people doing things to bad people. Well, in cybercrime, it was the bad people doing things to good people, small businesses. They were good people. They were senior citizens. They were nonprofit organizations. They were religious institutions. And each one of them was blown away. And they never expected to be a victim. And when the cybercriminals, and you worked plenty of these cases back in your day as the supervisor and as an agent, When the cyber criminals would do their damage and they would either steal money, steal data, or encrypt your information, as a law enforcement officer, what were you able to do about it to make the people feel better?
1: Not a whole lot. I mean, I had to kind of tell them that this is, you know, this is not uncommon. You are not like, you're not, you're not by yourself. You are not the only victim of this group. You are, you are a target of opportunity. And it's probably because you didn't take, I do not say it this way, but yeah, of course you're thinking, you know, cyber, cyber actors do not necessarily target individual companies or people. Some, some, there's certainly those that do, but for the most part it is targets of opportunity people who like we've talked about many times click on emails open up whatever they're they're, they're, yeah. they're spamming that stuff out and you were just a target of opportunity and because I, I think going along with your cyber secure mindset if you'd had the cyber secure mindset you would have reduced your opportunity to be a target of opportunity because you knew you were a potential target so you would have put things in place to prevent being the target now I-, I know you.
0: You're an empathetic guy. You've practiced uh, psychology in your garage on many occasions. Oh, yeah. But let me ask you, just so the line that you gave me right now is a standard line. How do you think that plays over when somebody's elderly parents just take seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars? And wire transferred it to a bank in Georgia.
1: Yeah, there's no way to soften the country of Georgia. (laughs) There's no way to soften that blow. You can't make that blow. You can't make that blow uh, palatable. Let's just say.
0: Okay, so now we got to that. So we talked about that. You're not getting your stuff back. And then, which leads us to the third truth of cybersecurity, which by now you should be able to recite. And what is the third truth about cybersecurity? Don't screw
1: this up, Mark. Well, I mean, you have so many. I, 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 I'm i I'm trying to figure out which which, which path of information. So what were the first two? I mean, nobody expected to be a victim. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. No, no, no. We're going to scratch that.
1: Law enforcement is not going to get your money back. And the password, uh, the password right, is password it, reuse is the criminal guy's it, best gonna, friend. Go
0: okay. At this point, Kate. Take three. <laughs> so we can't in law enforcement get your stuff back, which leads me to the third truth about cyber security. And Darren, comment on this. The chances of law enforcement putting these yes. evil doers in jail is very challenging. And why is it challenging for law enforcement to put the bad guys in jail?
1: Because they're usually overseas.
0: They're usually overseas,
1: and the but but I will say this: it's funny because if you watch the news, every time they get somebody, it's like a huge it's a huge day in FBI land when they actually get someone. I mean. The, Current supervisors, SACs, assistant directors can't stop posting on LinkedIn about how they got this one guy. Oh, my God, it's an guy.
0: amazing day, Darren. <laughs> yep. It's an amazing day if you are the case agent and you happen to spend four years of your life and you're going through mutual legal assistance treaties and you're working your tail off and you're missing birthdays, anniversaries. Hanukkah parties and yeah, Christmas. Hold parties. on, hold
1: on, hold on. Let's be honest. From a cyber case perspective, ain't nobody listens missing any Hanukkah or Christmas parties for a cyber case. Okay,
0: <laughs> but let me just tell you, there are people who have to go overseas. Sure, yeah, last sure. over there, and I, yes, I never agreed. want to take the
1: credit away
0: from that. Sure, but at the end of the day, you put the bad guy in jail. Are you really cutting the head off of the snake? And are you getting the money back for people? And then that leads me to the fourth truth. And that is the epiphany that I had that drives me to do this, is that a majority of the victimization that I dealt with during my career could have been prevented if the end users were only armed with a couple of key pieces of information. That's it. Now, this information, which consists of the framework which we'll come back and we'll talk about those step by step. And that's what I'm really posting each day is just there's certain things. And what did I do? I figured out what the commonalities were and I tried to put them into a positive, because one of the things we don't want to do is we don't want to blame the victims, but I just want to be able to say that, Hey, look, here are the eight steps. Here's what you need to know. And if you get to know these things and you understand these things, Things will be okay. So let's apply how this happens in my life. I wake up this morning and I check my email, and the first thing I see is somebody attempted to log into my Gmail account. So I get an email from Gmail and it says, Hey, someone tried to, someone had access to your password and they got, and there's a critical thing. So the first thing that goes through my head is, oh crap. And this is my personal Gmail. I'm starting to think what's going on over here. So before I'm about to, and I'm on my iPhone, you know, what's my, what's the first thing that goes through the average
1: person's head
0: when they get that email?
1: Oh boy. What about, how much money am I going to lose? What, are, who's, who's in yeah. my account? What, is, what, what have I done wrong?
0: So I see in the email the big red button that says check activity Mm -hmm. and I'm all of a sudden about to go. And then I hear that word. No, 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 don't do that because email is the number one attack vector. Mm -hmm. So I log into my Gmail account. And what do I see? Somebody tried to access my username and password. I'm like, oh, crap, that's not a good day. So I start thinking about how did they get access to this? What did they do? How's everything going? I'm starting to go through this kind of investigative steps in my head. But I go, hmm, I have two-factor authentication. I'm not going to really worry about it. But what if I didn't? What if there's a couple of things here? The first thing on the cyber secure mindset is, Don't click the link in the email, go to the, go to the platform. Mm -hmm. I went to the platform and there's lots of different security steps that I can do, but I think now 15, only 15% of the population has two factor authentication set up. If you get access to my Gmail account, you get so much more than my email. You get access to my Google browser, my Chrome browser, which you could do this. You could access, because I'm going to be honest, I save passwords there. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. I save passwords in my Chrome browser. But I have the two-factor authentication. But now I start racking my brain. what caused somebody to send out what caused someone to get my password to access my account? It's a very unique password. It's 15 characters or longer. It's nothing else. So I'm sitting here and I do my video and I'm like, I got to go tell the world about this. So I start having a conversation with Quinn this morning and he kind of looks down at me and says, Oh yeah, I tried to log into your, uh, Accounts because I needed to reset one of the accounts for one of his videos, <laughs> <ones.
1: laughs> and
0: it said that he couldn't get access without two-factor authentication. Now that's um, that's a nothing in the whole history of the sure. world. Sure. So he used okay. your he used
1: on, on. step step back. So he used your brow he used your browser that you'd saved the password, and that's how he got in.
0: He must have used a browser on his computer that I saved the password. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. but I never. Re- But I never said, remember this computer on his computer. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to
1: do that. Right, right, right. Gotcha.
0: So that caused the (laughs) whole thing. So what's the moral of the story here? Like, hey, Scott, why are you telling this story? There's a lot of learning lessons here. There's a ton of learning lessons Mm -hmm. here. I mean, if I would have clicked that link in the email, I would have discovered everything. But you gotta condition yourself. That's part of having a cyber secure mindset. That's realizing that ninety percent of the attack vectors are through social engineering needs. That's it. We have to also realize that there's a glut of passwords on the dark web. Let me be honest with you. Who knows? Maybe somebody is going to gain access to my password. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, don't, I have no idea. Maybe there's a keylogger on my machine. Maybe there is something, okay? But the fact is I have to realize that I need to make sure that I don't use the same password for mission-critical accounts, and I do not, and I have to turn on two-factor authentication. Doing those couple of simple steps will prevent so much cybercrime. Mm -hmm. But It goes back to discovering and having this cyber secure mindset. So when I figured this out, Darren, I I tried to tell the world, I'm like, hey, you need to do this. And one of the things that I discovered is, how do you try to help people who don't want to be helped?
1: That is a great question, because I tried the same thing tried to provi- <clears throat> provide free cyber education stuff and nobody would watch it or take it or, and I, I mean I think maybe if I charge everybody 500 bucks then they'd have been all over it but I, I can't figure I can't figure that out that's it I, I wish I wish we could figure out how to crack that nut I mean how many companies so let me ask you, so how many companies have you tried to offer these things to even at a at a ridiculously you know, $3 a person. So for $3 a person, they can protect their whole organization with the information you have or whatever the, you know, the low price is. Why is it so hard? And maybe you're asking me that question. I'm asking you the same question back. Why do you think it's so hard for people to want to build their cyber secure, uh, their cyber secure mindset? What is the, I, I don't know what the holdup is. I, I, you know, I, I do know what it is. It's the, it's, it's what you talked about at the beginning. People think I don't have anything anyone would want I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I, I'm not big enough. I'm not a big enough fish. And it goes to goes down. Goes back to one of the other issues that I talked about at the beginning of this podcast was people don't know what their crown jewels are because that's what the bad guys want. And that crown jewel can be anything. Could be your intellectual property if you're a business owner. Could be your PII. Could be your health information. And people don't identify what those crown jewels are take and take managers to protect it. And in some cases the past, your password to your bank account is your crown jewel. But if it's the same password you've got for your social media, for your financial records, for your email, they're going to get access to all of it. And then they have the, the keys to the kingdom to continue on with the same metaphor.
0: And, And that's the perfect scenario. That's the perfect storm. And that's why we keep seeing a rise in cybercrime. We keep spending more money. The problem keeps getting worse. And why is that? Because there's a glut of passwords that are available on the dark web. And now the cyber criminals don't even have to go through these advanced phishing techniques. Mm -hmm. All they need to do is buy the blocks of passwords on the dark web and realize that 66% of the population is using the same password for multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. And then it's just rip and run. They're going through these different accounts. And that's why it's so important for you who's listening to this to really implement these things on your own. Take steps prevent yourself, prevent your family. The cyber criminals are going through so many different scams. I'm talking about different scams. Uh, uh, Yesterday, I got contacted on LinkedIn by a young lady who was the director of marketing for a large international, uh, a global conglomerate corporation. And, And the she connects with me on LinkedIn and, you know, you're very Larry on LinkedIn because you have this. So I go over and then all of a sudden I get a message from this individual and the message says, hi, Scott, how was your day at work today? And I was like, OK, this is a Sunday from the director of marketing. So I ask and I, and I look over at her uh, her profile Has 250 contacts on it. I see a couple of people who work at the same company that she does. Okay. So I go, tell me, where are you from and what do you do? Now, her LinkedIn profile said she was in New York, but she was originally from Singapore. And she said that she was in Singapore. And then she asked me, what do I do? And I said, I keep people safe from cybercrime. And I said, as a young lady, you better really be careful about people who send you instant messages on cybercrime because uh, send you instant these messages on LinkedIn because the next thing you know, they're gonna wanna have a conversation with you on Discord or move you off the platform and try to get you to click on a link. As soon as that happened, that person disappeared and their profile went down on
1: LinkedIn. (laughs) Very nice. I had the same, I had the same thing a couple weeks ago.
0: That's why I'm telling you this. Yeah, no, I had the
1: same thing a couple weeks ago. And I I posted on LinkedIn that that I got a, it was a, on Apple message, just the messenger, message on my phone, the Apple message, whatever they call them. And it was like, Hey, is this such and such? And I go, no, it's not. And then it starts this whole conversation. Eventually she's from Japan, but she runs a company in LA, but she wants to get off of, the message, the instant messenger on the iPhone to WhatsApp, I think is where she wanted to go. WhatsApp or Telegram, Telegram. That's right. It was Telegram and I didn't have a Telegram and it was late at night. I wanted to go to bed. I didn't have time to deal with it. So now I have a Telegram. So next time I get one of those, I'm going to continue it on to see where it goes to. And if it has a link, I'm going to take one of my VMs on my computer and go and, and click the link and see what happens when I click the link and go from that route so I can report from that perspective. So hopefully we can have some more stories on on all those fun things going forward. I got to Actually, you were talking about the email you got from Gmail. I was getting ones from eBay. I think it was eBay or Amazon about someone trying to access my account, but it said, you don't have an account under this email address. If you'd like one, start one. So someone was trying to log in with one of my, with one of my email addresses to it was weird. I, just, I got like four, four or five of them and it kind of stopped. So I guess they moved on to somebody else, but what about password spraying? So how, is, how big an issue do you think that is going back to the password issue? Is that, I mean, you know, people probably don't recognize that password spraying is really probably the number one intrusion success thing going on right now. I
0: don't I think, you know, you don't even
1: need to do a password
0: spray. You just got to get access to that Gmail account.
1: Well, I know, I, is, but that's how the bad guys are using it. They're yeah, using password spraying. Yeah, no, 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 in
0: and then from that point, now the bad guy has all the credentials. Uh-huh. Yep. So, and, and that's the thing. So we have to realize that the social engineering is the number one tool in the tool belt of the cyber criminals. You're going to get an email, a text, or a telephone call from somebody you know or somebody you trust, and they're going to trick you. They're going to trick you to give up your password, click on a link or go to a phishing website that unfortunately antivirus is not gonna pick up on that. And even maybe you are protected within your large uh, Fortune 500 company, but not when you go home. Mm -hmm. Then we need to realize that there is a glut of passwords on the dark web. There are billions of passwords. And now the cyber criminals can just pick up access to these passwords, get a, get access to one account and figure out how to get into others. That's why it plays into what you talk about. you got to identify what are your crown jewels? What are your mission critical assets? And that's one of the points I really didn't cover as much in the book that I've learned this in the past two to three years was. That's it. That's all that it takes to commit a major cybercrime incident Mm. is getting access to a password of a mission critical account. That's why we can't use the same password. We need robust and strong passwords, but even a robust and strong password without two-factor authentication does not work. And even if you do all that stuff, what happens when one of your third parties sends you an email because they didn't have two-factor authentication. And now you get an email from somebody you know and somebody you trust. And now you're going to have to wait for the market to catch up with artificial intelligence programs that are going to be able to read your email and say, hey, listen, this is probably a fraud because this email, LinkedIn message, WhatsApp message, is from someone you know and somebody you trust and they ask you to purchase gift cards. Mm. I know you might find this hard to believe, Darren, but the gift card scam is still incredibly... Still going, good. huh?
1: Well, I'm, you'll be surprised to know that the director of MI5 and the FBI director wanted everyone to know that China is a growing threat. Did you know that? I was I was blown away that China is a growing threat. Hey, what's your take on TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's funny you say that because my other podcast that I did a little earlier earlier i i i went off on TikTok again. So that's I, that. So that clearly that I have an issue with TikTok. I think because to, to that point. So yes, TikTok needs to go. Uh, you need to not use TikTok. Get rid of. It. Does your do your kids use TikTok? Where do they come down?
0: Uh I think they're listening to it. They're doing stuff like that. I think it's on YouTube. If you click on a link or something. I mean, listen. I think, unfortunately, we're in a little we're in a little too deep, and mm-hmm. uh,
1: and I guess from from that perspective, okay. Let me here's here's where I'll come down on TikTok because my brother, I know I have my brother my brothers don't post on TikTok, but they watch TikTok. So I guess if you're just if you create an account with bogus name, bogus information, you're just using it to watch the videos. Okay, you probably protected yourself to some perspective. I don't know, but whatever. But it's still all. I mean, you're just stop giving China stuff. That's all I'm saying. China's, Listen,
0: China's still breaks my chops to this day that i have more linkedin followers than him because i said at one point linkedin i would never use social media so it's like you never say never in tiktok and i'm getting calls from people all the time saying that you should do these things on tiktok mm-hmm. You know, that's where the audience is. That's where the people are. Scott, nobody wants to hear a two-minute video that you do on LinkedIn. They want it in 15 seconds. So, listen, what are we going to do? We're in too deep.
1: Exactly. All right. Well, Scott, appreciate it as always. Coming to save my bacon to do an interview for the podcast. So, thank you so much. Cybersecure Mindset Month, how do they, where do they find you? What's your LinkedIn profile? Uh,
0: Go to cybersecuremindset.com. And you can get a copy of my framework, and you can get two chapters of my book and a couple of other handouts. That's just a landing page that I have. I'm building some training. Uh, some of some people have been hearing me talk about this for about five years already, but <laughs> any day
1: now, it's you're gonna pull the you're out. gonna pull the plug and finally finally ever push the button and get it started, right? Yeah,
0: I've been listening. Uh, Listen, uh next time we can do a whole thing on imposter syndrome. I want to be your guest for that. <laughs> okay. Yes.
1: Well, we need to do so what we need to do is to do a cyber secure mindset podcast at some point, once a month. Or actually no. No, the the secret to cybersecurity podcast, we could just do 12 episodes, one per chapter.
0: Yes, that would be great. And why don't we do one this Saturday?
1: Okay, I'll be around. <laughs> All right, Scott, thanks again. We will we will talk soon, I'm sure. So I am running short on time this week, so I'm going to cut it off here. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to tune in and listen to the Cyber Guy podcast. I truly appreciate it as always. I'm going to leave you with this. One of the things I got for my recent birthday was my wife got me a book of dad jokes. And so I'm going to leave you with a dad joke as we head on out today. And that is, uh, it is this. And so actually, I'm giving away that joke, but who cares? So the other day, I was talking to my wife and I told her she really needed to embrace... mistakes so she gave me a hug with that no knowledge is protection if you can understand the threats targeting you you can assess your risk and proceed wisely online if you have questions or comments about the podcast feel free to give me a drop me an email uh darren at the cyberguy.com find me on linkedin linkedin.com slash in slash darren mott i hope to see you there have a good week we will talk again soon